Hello, and welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast. My name is Will Chernoff, and on this bonus episode, James Danderfer hosted me for an episode of his Instagram live show, Monday Midday Live, and bring it to you here in podcast form. You can find James on Instagram at James Danderfer. Check out other episodes of his show and find his gig with the Vancouver Jazz Orchestra at the Shad Bolt on Sunday, December 4th, coming up. Ticket link in the description. Let's go. If we want a better scene uh, in the city, then musicians need to perhaps more consciously work towards it and not put the blame on the city. Okay, so fair warning, we recorded this into our earbuds, so conversational quality, buyer beware on that. James hosted this conversation with me about practicing, that's his usual Monday midday live topic, but we also talk state of the Vancouver jazz scene, personal development, and more. I had a great time, and I want to thank James Danifer again for hosting me on this show and allowing me to bring it to you here. James's conversation with me up next. Will, hey. What's up? What is going on? You've got uh, you've got the Canadian flag in the background. Uh, <laughs> you know it. I work for an American company, so I got to rep it. Got to rep it. <laughs> Wait, you work for an American company? I do. I work for Dave Douglas at his label, Greenleaf Music. Oh, cool. Yeah. You don't. Um, you don't really promote that. You don't. You don't tell people. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, it's it's pretty new thing. Uh, uh -huh. for me, it kind of came out of nowhere this year. Uh and I I think I think he's good. I think I I don't know if Dave needs my exposure. I think I think he's doing all right. Um we all need your exposure. <laughs> all of us. Right? Uh, it can't hurt. Can't hurt. Yeah. Uh Thanks for joining me, Will. And this was um, uh, basically we had talked about, or we we or you had emailed me, and so we were kind of emailing back and forth. And then um, I wanted to talk to you, and then um, I was talking to you about an hour ago, and uh -huh. and I said, "Well, can we just talk about this on on the thing that we were going to talk about?" Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're putting it all together here. We're putting it all together. Um, yeah. You know what they call that? They call it building in public, building with the garage door open, you know, open sourcing <laughs> it to the fans, all that good stuff. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> building in public. All right. Yeah. Um, how's the music going? Oh, it's, it's so weird. I mean, I've, not fully recovered at all from the last couple of years probably like a lot of people right because going into COVID, i was touring in a folk band called early spirit so performance was my whole life and then rhythm changes the blog and the podcast that's what i kind of started over the next year-ish after that stopped so that i could get back involved in the jazz community because i felt like i had left it uh in a in a place where i didn't want to leave it like I, I felt like i wasn't tapped into what was happening anymore I was out of touch with mm -hmm. my friends that I'd had since I was a teenager here. 
I, I didn't have yeah. a, I didn't have a thing where I was participating regularly anymore. And it's been, I've been so fortunate that I've been able to, to participate again now more than ever in some ways in the last couple of years. Playing mm -hmm. is like still the last thing though, that's coming on board that way. Like I, I haven't had a regular playing outlet in those years. And now that I'm playing a couple of gigs around a new album that I put out this fall, like that's finally starting to come back and I've got my trio that I'm playing with. And I just hope I can keep riding that a little bit more over the next couple of months. Cause it's, it's great. Like that's what it's all about when you have those people who you want to spend that time with, you want to be hanging with regularly and you want to play with and to, to be able to do that again is, is really great, but it's, it's early days in, in terms of coming yeah. back. I'm really just kind of starting to get that back together. Yeah. 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 And how come that's that you said, that's the last thing to sort of get to, pulled along, so to speak, you know, um, uh, is it cause you're still busy with, Dave Douglas and uh, rhythm changes and what's what's going on there? Yeah, Dave Douglas thing more recent, so that's been hitting me hard over the last couple of months as I've just really been brought on board there since the summer, uh, and I wasn't getting out a lot uh, because I was just trying to stay focused on that and not fall far behind kind of thing as I was learning the ropes. Mm -hmm. So that was part of it for sure, getting used to that new job this summer and fall. Uh, but before then, I felt. To be honest, I felt really conflicted with with rhythm changes. Like I would still practice, like, and we can talk about practice because you talk about practice all the time, right? And I like it when yeah. you talk about practice. I learn from you, <laughs> so thank you for doing that. Uh, I don't practice as much as your previous guest, Jesse Cahill, but I get in my time here and there, right? Um, but it was like, either. yeah, <laughs> something we all have in common, right? We all need, we need to find common ground here. Mm -hmm. But performance wise, like I. I felt conflicted because I was like, well, I'm trying to to line up interviews with people and I'm trying to review people's albums and I'm trying to book them on the podcast. There's no way that I can, you know, book gigs with some of these people as well, right? Like that wouldn't make sense. It's like I'm double dipping with the same group of people and I, I didn't know how to feel about that or make sense of it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if it was okay. And like, there's no correct answer coming down from on high about whether or not it's okay. So obviously that's just kind of a subjective thing, but I, I guess I, it just took me a long time to, to come to get comfortable with that, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, all right. Speaking of practice, have you practiced today? I have. Yeah. I haven't practiced though. I played some guitar cause I write on the guitar and I think on the guitar a fair bit. I don't always have my keyboard set up in my room, but, yeah. uh, I've got my guitar right there. So uh, I did, I did play some guitar already today. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Um, someone asked me that um, it was this guy that I hadn't seen in a while. Great clarinet repairman um, in OK Falls, Peter Spriggs. And I ran into him and, uh, and the first thing, this was years ago, but the first thing he said to me is, uh, have you played your clarinet today? Um, and I said, no, <laughs> no, I haven't. And, um, I don't, it was such as like, uh, inane detail, but I remember that, um, because I felt guilty. I immediately felt guilty because it was like, you know, it was the afternoon <laughs> practice, you know, I could have, I'm sure I could have. Just could have found five minutes. <clears throat> uh -huh. uh, and so, um, 
Now, I'm, I'm not looking to make you or anyone else feel guilty. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, really not. It's just, it's the other thing that was for me, that question was, it was the reason it hit home is because, um, uh, because it, it is really important to me. Um, it's something that sustains me and I really want to do, yet uh, it's, it's, it's not urgent, you know? And so other things will come up that are less important, but more urgent. And uh, it's easy to, to table the practice time and say, okay, well, I'll, I'll do that 15 minutes later today. And, and so uh, when someone asked me that question, like, yeah, this is something that I, I want to be able to say yes to that because that that um, that tells me that I've got my priorities straight. Um, yeah, that that was just for me. I'm not I'm not putting this on you. I'm just <laughs> I think about that moment often. So yeah, I think about that in terms of exercise. Um, uh, this is, this is totally out of left field, but do you, do you do yoga ever? Not consistently, but I have, I do it, uh, very occasionally. Okay, nice. Yeah. I feel like that when I, um, a lot of the times I end up doing it in the evening and sometimes really late. Like if I'm, if I'm coming back from a, from a gig or something and, uh, I do it with, uh, my spouse whenever I can, um, uh, rarely do it alone these days, really saved my life early on in, in COVID though, in terms of giving me something like that. Uh, and mm -hmm. I really prioritized just hitting that and doing like 30 minutes of yoga, like six or seven days a week, like for the whole kind of early COVID year. Um, yeah. and then, you know, it just trying to find my rhythm of that, uh, I feel that I think about that a lot of the same way that you think and, and write and talk about practice. Uh, I'm such a loosey goosey practice person though. So that's why I enjoy hearing you talk about practice because I often practice at night. Uh, I often do it as like an unwinding thing. I do it as like a thing when I don't want to be staring at screens anymore during the day. It's not something that I like knock out at the top of my days, hardly ever. It, it'll be yeah. like a valve, like a, like a release valve for me. Yeah. Uh, I guess that just kind of fits into, you know, people have different priorities and, uh, different, uh, different approaches to the career and different role that they need for it. Like I I'm thinking back to Jesse again, cause you know, I'm a, I'm a watcher of this series and I'm thinking about uh, the people who have been on recently and he was the most recent one. So I, I vaguely remember what he was talking to you about last week and his approach of it being, you know, like a craftsperson or a tradesperson, and about, he feels that that's the, the level of responsibility that he assumes and why he practices so much. Mm -hmm. Like I've always kind of known that that's not my role. Um, so, so I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hold that expectation that I'm going to treat it that way, but I like to make sure that it still does what I need it to do, which is for it to be that valve that still happens very often, um, as a release for me so that when I'm doing my own projects and that's the other thing is I don't, I'm not really like a session guy. Like I don't, I don't get hired to play in a lot of other people's gigs or play in the studio mm -hmm. very much. It's just, it's not part of my mix. Of what so like ninety nine percent of my playing is like on my own projects. So as long as it's like feeling creative uh, for me and happening regularly, so that when something like this run of shows that my trio and I are doing come up, then I'm good to go. Then like as far as what practicing means to me right now, like that's what I need it to be. You know. So you need it to be. Can you, you need it to be a release, or you need it to be prep 
I need it to be a little bit of both at the same time, which is like the finesse part of it, right? Like, I don't want it to feel like a big endeavor to prepare for a gig or run of gigs that will come up for me at any given time. Like I played at the tangent two weeks ago ish. Now I'm playing at Frankie's this week on, on Friday at the late show. I'm playing at second floor gas town. After that, I'm playing somewhere else after that in, in January. So it's like, I don't want this to feel like, Oh my gosh, it's crunch time. Now I have to like get all my stuff ready. I want it to be like a, a, just a part, just a part of the process. And then, then it just so happens that it's, it's a stage of that where it's coming out into the world more. And then yeah. I can enjoy that aspect of it. So as long as I'm on my instrument consistently enough and uh, doing my typical things that I would do to warm up and, and do to work out on that, that doesn't feel scary or doesn't feel like I'm adding a lot more to my plate. Then when those opportunities come up, then it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. It's the two things sort of that, that, that sort of need to balance for you. So it needs practicing needs to be a release. Uh, and it needs to be in preparation for something, right? Is that accurate? Uh huh. Yeah, because if it's only a release, then it's aimless, right? Or at least it feels that way to me because then it does the same level of motivation is not there, um, which is mm-hmm. w- what will uh, prompt me to, to continue at the same clip, right? So if the, as long as the, the, the looking ahead and the, the preparation part of it is there and I know what I'm working on, then the motivation is there. And then the release is like what allows it to feel good there. And like, again, for exercise, it, whether it's like, like yoga and running, I guess are my two main forms of exercise right now. Like I used to play a lot of ball hockey. Um, so that was, that was a part of it as well. And I had some stuff around that and like I had my goalie pads and I had need to be flexible and, you know, right. skate and that, that kind of thing. But right now it's mostly just yoga and running. So like the, the looking ahead is like, I want to feel good and I want, I want to feel healthy. And uh, I, I want to have that goal of like being able to do that a certain amount every week and, and feel good. And the release <laughs> is like the actual feeling of, of what it's like when you're doing it and after you do it. Like, I know that after I do this, I'll feel good kind of thing that day. But the preparation part of it on the exercise analogy is I know that if I keep doing this, I will feel good and healthy in general. Plus the feeling of on this day, I can, I can get myself to do it by saying, oh, I know after I do this today, after I run or after I do yoga today, I'm going to feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, um, I like that. It's, it's simple and it's clear. <laughs> it has to be, otherwise and, and, it's lost on me. <laughs> yeah, 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 me too. Um, and it's a different word than I usually use for practicing. Um, but, um, you know, I like to say, I like to use words such as engaging, uh, even enjoyable. Uh, I tend not to say practicing is fun, but it's only because I think there's a certain association with that makes it seem uh, sort of, um, not, um, not intentional enough or not serious enough. You know, if you say, Oh, practicing is fun. Um, but, uh, release, you know, that's another, that's another good word for it. And I use that word all the time with my students when it comes to just playing a note. Um, you know, if you're, if you're breathing well, you're filling the lungs and then once your lungs are full, 
they just want to release. And so um, when I go to play, I want it to be a release, but I want it to feel like a release, even just one note. Feels good. Feels good to do that. Um, and I like how you you use that word. It makes me think of of that and just sort of uh, the headspace that that you're then in when you go to practice. Um, if that's if that's kind of your bar, if that's what you're expecting, um, it's going to be a lot more enjoyable. Um, and then you're going to take that that feeling. You've practiced that, so then you will take that to the stage because you've been practicing this relationship with music. And then the other thing was prep. You know, you need basically we need uh, a goal, something to work towards, and. Um, I agree. That's I I have thought in the past even if I couldn't perform I would still want to play music, you know, just at home, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's true uh anymore. I just Wait, hit me yeah. with that one more time. I I heard that, but I just want to make sure I got I got what you said there. What did you say? Well, in the past I've said that even if I didn't have any gigs, like if I wasn't playing outside of the practice room, that I would still, I would still play music at home. I would still practice, but I'm not so sure that's true, um, because I've never had that. <laughs> I've never. Uh, well, the pandemic was a little different, but you know, there was always the the hope of of performing soon. Right? There's always a gig to work towards and um, or to stay in shape for. And so, yeah, I think, I think we do need, I think we all need that, that thing to prepare for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, if release was the word for the other part, the, the part where on this day, you know how you end up feeling after you do it. Like the, the, the word for the, the ongoing thing is definitely like motivation for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There we go. Release and motivation. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. While we're on the subject of practicing, I'm going to hit you with the lightning round. All right. Uh -huh. Ready for this? Here we go. This is blazing with Will and Jay. <laughs> all right. So, um, Will, in what period of your career have you practiced the most? When I was in my band. So, the the performing years were mostly like 2016 17 up to 2019 up to covid yeah so like 2017 to 2019 especially yeah what period have you practiced the least you know this i tell this sometimes that i i haven't told it on any podcast episodes or something so it's funny that that you bring that up here and it's a it, it you might think it's a weird answer but to be honest it's a so i went to cap for one year and then i left Mm -hmm. uh and it was that year that was that was the year that and that's that's probably the opposite answer to to a lot of people and it's kind of unfortunate this but it's the truth like that uh -huh. that one year like 2013 um that i was up there that's the, the that's the point where i played the least now why well one it's because i was lucky enough that uh i just rode the wave in my high school band program that's where it all began for me and i was just surrounded by all these people who were better 
than me there who I could hop in and jam with and who I had like tiny little gigs that were people in the community would have us, you know, there were opportunities for me there that I'm so grateful for. And I, I had the people to play with. So I was playing there and I was practicing like a madman to try and be able to do that. Cause I was self-taught at the time other than my school, like no lessons. Um, and so I was playing a lot at that time, like in my, in my teen years. And then after I left, then I started, uh, I started working at a nonprofit and I started very, very part-time and I worked my way up there kind of over the years, like five or six years mm -hmm. until I left that to start the band. And so during that time I was practicing a lot because I was, I was working for like a violin school kind of organization. I was like doing their performances with them and working on their arrangements and rehearsing the music with them. So, I, yep. and, and this was like Celtic music, like Irish and Scottish music, fiddle music. I didn't know anything about that. So I had to, sh I had to cram that really hard. I had to shed it really hard yeah. and I loved learning about that kind of music from scratch so I, I played a lot then um, now awesome. when I was at CAP I didn't play as much because I was commuting all the time because I'm here in New Westminster I live here again now but I was living at my at my mom's place in New West and I was commuting back and forth to CAP every day so yeah. that's a couple hours there um, and I was I was going out to shows uh, I started drinking and I kind of had my problems with alcohol abuse that I sorted out and I'm sober now um, but I did a lot of like dumb teenager stuff and I was like on the buses and sky trains all the time. And I was like living the, the college life for like one year. And that was the least that I, that I ever practiced. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that's, that is a very interesting answer. Okay. The lightning round continues. Um, uh, what, what, tools do you like to have in the practice room with you well i always got to have a plug-in tuner i always got to have a plug-in tuner and uh i just use the metronome on my phone so i i don't have like a standalone metronome in my room right now but uh, I, I i tune my instruments when i wake up in the morning like because i'm in my home office here my home office is just my all-purpose place like all the rhythm changes stuff happens here all my practicing happens here i just kind of live in this hundred square foot boss most of the day and then i go out to the rest of our place like in the afternoon and the evening so i got my instruments in here and i like to tune my instruments when i get in this room for the first time so i tune my upright my electric and my guitar then i know it's kind of like what you were saying about practice that i guess it is a little bit the same way because then i know i've like touched them at least once right like i've done something right and so it's kind of satisfying to check them and tune them so my plug-in tuner and my metronome and and that's it that's and i got my you know I, I play acoustic guitar, so I got my capo on there all the time, but that's it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. And so let's, uh, yeah. And I would say apps count as tools. They're not, yeah. they're not physical tools, but these days, I mean, I don't have, I have my tuning app. I have my, my timer and my metronome app. Um, okay. So if you only have time to practice one thing, what is it going to be? Oh, it's definitely like uh, an exercise that I, I started doing when I was in high school and I still do it all the time, but now I just do it in all the keys. I used to only do it in like F and B flat, um, but it's just like, like one, three, five, seven chord toned up and down stuff, like mm. change, like a certain direction um, on that. I can't, I can try and, and do that. I, I've, I don't want to like destroy people's ears by unplugging my earbuds right now, but um, if I, if Let's I put, yeah, if I put this sideways and down for now, sorry about that. Um, and I just grab my, 
guitar. I want to know if you can hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if you will be able to hear it. So um, I'm not sure about that. Can you hear this? Yes. Yeah. So if I just go, you know, this kind of thing where you go, like if I do F, if I do the key of F and I just. Right. Like that kind of thing. And then like I could do the other direction, right? Like you could, um, you'd go like, uh-huh. like that kind of thing. Um, I do that pretty and on, on bass, right? Like on electric or upright. And I do that pretty slowly. And I just, I look for tone. Uh, I don't always even do it with a metronome, but I could also, you know, look for time when I do that. But that's like my go-to exercise is just different permutations of that. Cause it's like, I use that exercise to learn the keys like to, mm-hmm. to get used to playing in all, in all 12 keys since I yeah. was in high school. So that's like my go-to exercise thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. What, what you just said, what you showed us was the exercise, but then you said what you look for is the tone. You look for the time. Yeah. So we, we saw the material, but then you're saying that you're not just practicing that for, what what you're really practicing is tone or sound time and let's say um harmonic uh flexibility or fluency in in the different key centers yeah you got it yeah nailed it okay moving on uh, <laughs> if you're not practicing enough what is the first thing to go in terms of your playing what's the first thing that you notice you're you've lost oh uh well it's very literal like if i don't play upright and then i go play upright i'm gonna have like freaking blisters the size of the pads of my fingers so like there's that like that's extremely extremely obvious to me that it's gotta be it's gotta be that (laughs) (laughs) so if you're not practicing enough the first thing to go is your skin my skin yeah (laughs) All right. Good. Good answer. Uh, what's the best advice you were given about practicing? I think it would have to be from, uh, huh? Yeah. I, that's a good, that's a good question. That's a stumper. I'm trying to think of when I would be pulling out my answer to this, like from what chapter, um, of my life or if it, whether or not it was a direct thing that somebody would have told me or whether it was something that I kind of picked up from somebody without them having to tell me directly. And I, I have a feeling that a lot of the most important things I learned were things like that, where rather than explicit advice, you know, you, you, you'll pick up something from having spent a lot of time with somebody or, or from being mentored by somebody and, and rather it being, rather than it being anything that they told you directly, you just end up with this sense of that person. And when you think of them, then it's like, oh, you think of this thing or this, this okay. mood or this kind of. So could uh, you give yeah. me an example of something like yeah. that you've picked up? Yeah, I, I have one that's, it's probably not as, as like directly applicable as some of the other things that, you know, uh, I could have thought of. But when I was at the nonprofit, when I was at North Shore Celtic Ensemble, Claude Jaguer, the founder, violin player, um, spin on the Rhythm Changes podcast. So listeners can check that out there to, to get a sense of what he's all about. But, you know, violin teacher, uh, played with the 
the VSO and the opera orchestra after he moved from Quebec to Vancouver in the 90s. Uh, started the, the nonprofit as his later thing. Um, but he did that because he had a big uh, injury. Um, right. And he, he held his violin bow in a, in a, very, in a certain way that would mm -hmm. be so wrong, like if you were going to teach it or something. Mm -hmm. um, but you'd never know, like, like from his playing, like he had fully mm -hmm. adapted to it. Mm -hmm. um, and this is so, this is so abstract, but like I got to travel with this group and, uh, you know, like we, it's almost like a school band trip sort of situation. Like the first time I traveled with them, we got to go to the Atlantic provinces. So we got to like do this tour of like around like Nova Scotia and PEI, New Brunswick and Quebec. Um, and then I went to the UK with them because they had this program with this youth festival where they had gone to the UK a couple of times. We went to China as part of like a bigger company. And so I spent a lot of time traveling with Claude and like seeing him warm up in the, in the wings and, and stuff mm. like that. And even though he didn't tell me like ex explicitly what he was doing, like now that, now that you ask me about this, the first thing I thought of is like, well, what was he doing in those moments and in, in those kind of warm ups? And like you could see it on his face. And you could see it in like this weird way that, that he held the bow. And it was almost like, <laughs> it's so funny if, if, if I ever end up showing this to him, I know, I know he'll laugh and, and I still enjoy talking with him today, but like, it's almost like a, he's like a squirrel, like coming out after the winter or something. And he's like, he's putting his paws on the ground to like figure out what's going on. And like, uh -huh. uh, it's just this, what I, what I would take away from that in terms of it being advice for practicing is, you know, on an everyday basis, what, what his priority was when he was doing this was just to make sure that he was comfortable because he knew that's what he had to do to prepare for whatever it was that he was going to do that like what, yeah, it's like being ready, right? It's like, it's like being ready to go perform. And so like, I guess just from being around him for like five or six years, even though I never took straight up lessons from him, mm -hmm. I just saw that, um, like the primary goal of practicing and warmups and all the repeatable stuff that you want to do every day is like establishing a personal comfort level for yourself. And so you got to tweak what it is that you do every day um, to make sure that it's something that can give you that feeling mm -hmm. and uh, that can ebb and flow because it'll change. And like, maybe you'll be playing a lot sometimes maybe you'll be playing not very much some of the other times. So, but that, that, uh, I, he just, his presence, like, it just showed me, like, there was this kind of search for comfort. And then I know from spending time with him that, like, when he was on, then he was on and he was comfortable, despite whatever else he had to go through or whatever else he made changes to about his technique over his career or anything. Like, the, the most important thing, I learned from him that the most important thing to search for when you're, when you're deciding what to practice every day is, like, the the establishing your own kind of comfort level. Mm -hmm. hmm. All right. Okay. So we got uh, one more in the lightning round. I'm going to use that with heavy quotations. The lightning Sorry. Round. <laughs> 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 no, no, it's, it, it's all good. It doesn't, uh, doesn't need to be, doesn't need to be fast. Yeah. I should have a t-shirt that says that. Okay. Um, 
Nice. How has your practicing changed since your early years? I felt like in my early years, I was always catching up. I always had that attitude. Like it's kind of, it was kind of a chip on my shoulder, especially when I was a, a teenager. Like I always felt like I was coming from behind. Like I, I didn't have the, the lessons and the, the prep and the training on the way in. And like, I was playing with these people who were on a higher level and like, I was just trying to catch up to them every day. And so I kind mm -hmm. of felt a little bit of pressure in my day to day as a, as a musician from that, uh, not directly from them or anything. Nobody, nobody intended to pressure me that way, but I showed up with mm -hmm. that attitude that uh, yeah. I wasn't there yet and I needed to catch up. And so I would kind of aggressively pursue whatever it was I thought they were <laughs> expecting of me. And like, like David Blake, right? Like you were there, I was there. We went to David Blake's Funhouse album release show mm -hmm. yeah. at Frankie's and it was awesome. Um, and it was so crowded that we didn't, we didn't speak to each other in the room there because there were like yeah, 100 yeah. people in there and we couldn't get through the crowd. Um, but it was, you know, when David put out his first album in 2013 called Next Year People, uh, I was 18 and I was at CAP still and he was at CAP still. And when Winston Minkler wasn't available to play with him, I played with him. Um, so like when, when he asked me to do that without prompt, uh, mm -hmm. I, I got a copy of his album. I can't remember if I bought it from him directly or I bought it from a friend or something. I learned all his tunes. I, I wrote my own charts to all his tunes and I showed up with my own charts for all his tunes mm -hmm. because I felt like I needed to catch up. And like, if I didn't do that, then I wouldn't make the grade, you know, like I, if I just showed up, I felt like if I showed up as I was, that wasn't enough. Like there was always yeah. something else I had to do to, to be able to hang and to be able to make the grade. And I've just gotten a little bit older and, you know, even though I still struggle with that in other aspects of my life, fortunately, I, I don't feel that way about playing anymore. And is that because you caught up? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I mean, or it doesn't matter. Right. It so, doesn't matter whether or not I caught up, caught up. I just needed to like deal with that attitude. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. And so now you don't feel, you don't feel that you need to catch up so to speak, you, I, if I had to guess, you, uh, you trust the process um, and you practice, you move forward as, as best as you can. Yeah, because that, that attitude that I had as a teenager and that still kind of sneaks in every once in a while with me, like it, it just comes from this general sense that you know, whatever you are, just as you are is not enough, right? And, and so if, if you feel that way, then it's like every time somebody asks you to play for a gig, you're worried that like, oh, if I don't come correct on this, and if I don't put in the extra effort, then I'm totally going to flub this. And like, you know, I'm not ready. And uh, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna go well. But then, as you get a little, even just a couple years older, then, you know, hopefully, what I'm taking out of it as well, if, if they ask me, then I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take them at their word that they asked me because they want me to be there, and I'm gonna focus on having a good time with them instead of worrying whether or not I have what it takes. And that was just social learning, you know, just over the years for me, I guess. Yeah, and does it still creep in from time to time, or is that a thing of the past? Oh, it, it totally is something that I still have to deal with. It's just not necessarily about stuff that's on the instrument. You know, maybe it's other work stuff or, or whatnot, but that's, it's, a, it's one of the things that it, it, I'm, I deal with on 
all fronts. And it was just kind of obviously an issue with me as a player for, for several years there. The band was really good about that. Like just spending that amount of time with three guys and, mm -hmm. and just getting so comfortable with them, mm -hmm. I think really kind of enabled that. And now there's this kind of reset of me not playing very much over the last couple of years and being in my late twenties now instead of younger. So, you know, yeah. all that is, is, is going in the right direction. Yeah. That's great. I think that it, it's, I think it's, it sneaks up on people. I don't want to say at any level, but maybe, maybe at any level. I mean, I've, um, I've had that feeling to an extreme degree at times. And, um, um, and overall, it, it doesn't happen as often, but it can, I, in my experience, it, it can sneak up on me and just that, you know, you approach something with this level of expectation that you cannot meet, you yourself cannot uh, achieve. And so uh, you're just kind of setting yourself up to fail. Yeah. It, at least if, if not, if not meaning like failing the gig, but failing um, personally. Failing personally, yeah, the, the, that's right. Mm -hmm. um, all right, that was uh, that was a hell of a lightning round. <laughs> it was like a thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs> we we opened up some boxes that we could certainly just keep going, diving deeper into those things. But I want to ask you um, uh, other things. So. Um, what if you can describe your rhythm changes podcast website slash persona um what is what is it what is rhythm changes it's an outlet whose mission is to make it more fun and easier to be a fan of the vancouver jazz scene and the creative community here so everything it does is in service to that. I'm trying a million things to, to try different things out, but ultimately that's the goal. It's a, it's a music blog podcast. It's that kind of media outlet just started by one person like me. And the goal is to make it easier and more fun to be a fan of this music and these people that we spend our days around here, you know? Yes, that's an excellent answer. So my follow-up question is, do you feel that the musicians in this Let's focus on the jazz community, jazz musicians in Vancouver. Um, is there something that you feel we could or should be doing towards the same aim of, of making the music more, uh, let's say, have more presence, um, have more people coming out? Or Yeah, I mean, I believe not in like silver bullets and and magic solutions but like small bets and single <clears throat> steps and uh incrementalism in in a lot of ways i guess is you know the word that just popped into my mind of of how to describe that but i don't i don't really believe that you come up with the grand plan i certainly don't really you know like people are not designed to execute grand plans very well like over a long <laughs> period of time they just can't like it's it's not human nature almost to some extent so i prefer like you know, just thinking about day to day, like, well, what's something that needs fixing right now, even if it's not broken, you know, like something that there's something going on that's attracted your attention 
that could be improved? Mm-hmm. And we're like, what's step one on that thing? Mm-hmm. And then how do you do that? You know, that just that one step. And then once you've done it, then you ask again. And it's like kind of a short loop. Like it's something that, that can be uh, executed a whole bunch with minimal effort on each step, you know, mm-hmm. more casually and less of a grand plan. Just that hundreds and hundreds of times, I think, is what improves most things. Like that, that would be my personal philosophy of it. Others may differ, but yeah, I would shy away from like um, the prescription of, of some big solution. And in order to allow for that loop to be run like a whole bunch of times, I just want to like increase the volume of the conversation like yeah. and, and the frequency of the conversation. So like if, if there's more happening if if there's more people getting the word out uh like me if if or anybody else like me i i i never want to be the only one like the more voices there are the better talking about it but if the frequency of the conversation is higher and more people are in touch with each other more often then there's more chances to like run that script like what's the next thing that is catching our attention that we need to work on how can we improve it do that repeat you know check again kind of thing that that would be the philosophy yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna push you on this for for a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Something more tangible. So I'll just um, uh, this this came up a couple of years ago when I was I was hanging out with Victor Noriega and Chris Davis and both past Monday midnight Monday midnight. Both. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and. I, th- I can't remember uh, who said it, but I think it was Chris who said, um, was just kind of examining the role of musicians in the scene. And, you know, um, if we want a better scene uh, in the city, then musicians need to perhaps more consciously work towards it and not um not put the blame on the city you know to say oh you know vancouver audiences don't come out or you know there's not enough places to play um i can't remember what you know what the details were but along those lines well um is there something that you think musicians could be doing uh to to enhance the scene. I'm not trying to say that it's not a good scene. I'm here because I love the scene. I love the musicians here. I'm inspired by it. Um, it is also a smaller scene. And Vancouver is a different city than, than your Montreal and your Toronto and certainly New York. Um, so yeah, is there anything that you feel? I'm just gonna, just, I'm gonna leave it there and see, see what you got. Yeah, well, first of all, I would totally agree with the premise that, like, you know, don't blame the city, that kind of thing. Like, whether we're talking about the city as a municipality or or just or the geography or that just the aspects of the place. Like, yeah, I'm not interested in doing that, too, because probably everybody does. Right. Like, it's a grass is greener situation. Everybody's going to know their own place and they're going to have their gripes about what the place is and they're going to look at other places. They're going to think those other places are better. That's not unique to any particular place. That's for sure. So I totally agree with that. (laughs) Okay. Um, but in terms of what people should do, I mean, I, I get, I, I like to discuss these things that said, like, I just, 
I don't have the capacity to provide an answer for that. But what I can do is I can do stuff like do a free weekly article that hundreds of people get by email every week that features local albums and do the podcast where I can talk about people and whatever we get into discussing, you know, if other people learn from that and they, they try something else differently themselves, then that's great. And like doing jazz office hours podcast with Corey weeds, you know, we, we do that. And now accumulating kind of a back catalog of stuff that now when people ask either of us questions, we can like point them to, you know, we can, we can increase the frequency of the conversation and whatever happens happens. And like me as one person, like, I have no idea what what musicians should do to improve the scene. Like, I don't even know what I should do next. Uh, and everybody's <laughs> like that. We're all, we're all just trying to figure out our own uh, issues and situations. But I think if uh, if we have our eyes open to, well, what's what caught my attention that that could be done differently or done better or something, and we don't get too fussed about just trying one little thing to try and improve things. And if, if we all kind of carry that attitude and if the conversation is happening between as many of us as possible, including as many people as possible at a high frequency, I have mm -hmm. faith that it sorts itself out and that it gets better. So even yeah. though I, I know that I can't answer that question uh, in any kind of helpful way, because everybody's got too much of their own issues to sort out, you know, I can ask myself, well, am I helping increase the frequency of the conversation? Yes, I think so. Uh, are other people doing that too? Yeah. When they're doing that, can I help them? Yes. Uh, can I, can I tune into something else that somebody's putting on? Like I had Tim Reinert on the Rhythm Changes podcast. He hadn't presented a single show yet. The only thing we talked about on the podcast episode was him putting out the Kenton Lone and JP Carter, It Becomes Us album. He wasn't even presenting his shows at numbers yet. So he's presented like a hundred shows plus since he came on. So like, that's the amount of activity that he jumped into. And you know, right. when I notice that somebody's doing that, can I support them? Yes. You know, so that's that that kind of thing day to day is like uh, an example of, you know, how you can pay attention and chip in. Right. But I know right. I don't want to frustrate you by not answering the question, but that's honestly how I think about it. You don't know, don't frustrate me. Don't. Yeah. Frustrate <laughs> me. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's you know what you that's uh, those are several several tangible uh points um and approaches so um so i am not frustrated anymore <laughs> um, <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um the um our emails well i shouldn't should our emails started long long ago but most recently you sent me an email about this this very thing uh instagram and um and you had some suggestions and and a number of people have come up to me i think everyone who has come up to me who to say that they've been watching this and getting something out of it uh has said have you thought about doing this on youtube or just moving it somewhere else you know where it's where video content is a little bit more uh, uh, better handled, let's say, or easier to access. Was that part of your your um, suggestions? Yeah, I mean, away? I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know if I was at the suggestion level yet. 
I'll, I, I didn't, I didn't really know, and you know, enough from, I, I you know, I don't want to like swoop and poop. I don't want to come in and, uh, uh, provide, uh, you know, unsolicited advice. Cause that's the last thing I want personally in I, my life. I'm so soliciting, I'm no, soliciting your advice. I know you're soliciting Thank now, James, but we did, I don't know if, uh, if I was, if I knew enough to be of any service, I was just thinking like, Oh, you know, I've made like a hundred podcast episodes in the last year. Like, is there anything I know that, could uh could be of service to this because like i want to tune into this i want to watch it uh i want it to be part of a conversation because you are helping increase the frequency of the conversation and that uh, abstract sense that we were talking about earlier by doing this i noticed so i you know can i help maybe right so like that's i don't know if i got to the suggestion stage and i certainly didn't get to the stage of like attaching the name of a platform to it right like a, uh, a, a particular platform you know that's that's all up in the air like does everybody belong on will everybody enjoy being on tiktok no so like you can't advise that everybody should oh everybody should go and do tiktok now yeah. like those those are those are personal to to what each person can handle and yeah. what everybody's capable of uh but you know maybe the first thing that comes to my mind uh like this is direct, direct feedback with with the intention of of not putting you on blast or anything. It doesn't have anything to do with your role. It's just of the tech, right? It's like feedback on the tech of how this works. Like, is that is that where we're going here? Like, are you, are you interested? Because I have a point in mind on on that front. I'll take it. So or... it's re it's it's watch back, right? Like that's what I'm thinking of in terms of. So like, if you don't catch this live, how easy is it to watch it back? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where my question would end. Like I wouldn't name a platform there or anything, but I would think about that question. And yeah. then you could look at other platforms and be like, well, which one addresses that the most? But if I think about it, like that's, that's what I think of because like I have a standing work meeting on Mondays in the midday and your show is Monday midday. So like I'm 99% <laughs> of the time, I'm never going to catch your show. I'll try and watch it back. Right. Like, and we made this work today, which was fun. And I, I appreciate that. It worked out. Thank you. But like most of the time, I'm not going to make it. So like, I, that's what I think about. I think about watch back. I think about replay, replayability. Like how easy is it for me to go back and listen to the one with Victor Noriega that I missed? Right? Mm. Like that's, that's where my question ends. And then at that point, I would, yeah. I would look to, uh, well, what, what can maybe be done about that, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's great. <laughs> You yeah. keep telling me that you don't have an answer and then you give me a really good answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, uh, my, my spouse always is like, I try to ask you a simple question. Then you end up asking me like three questions instead of giving me an answer. Like, I guess that's just my fault. Like that's, that's just how I roll, but you know, Oh <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's great. Um, I, uh, I would like to do this again with you sometime, uh, because, we didn't even get into the work that you're doing with Greenleaf Records. Um, and um, I'm very curious. Um, so can, can we, can we do this again sometime? Will, will there be a Monday midday where you are available? Oh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll work it out. We'll, we'll make it happen. But I would also say that, uh, you know, you're going to be busy on this particular day, but, uh, uh, there's a, maybe we will cross paths on, um, on Sunday, December 4th, Vancouver jazz orchestra presents the music of Thad Jones. You know, maybe, maybe there's a chance that we end up, uh, 
I think I have a second floor gas town gig that night, actually, now that I think about it. But hey, that's something you're doing. So we're, we're plugging. The, you can't take the podcast host out of the podcast host here. I'm plugging you, James, to go out of this. Um, All right. That's a thing that you're doing that's coming up. Because I went to the first Vancouver Jazz Orchestra gig, and yes. I enjoyed that a lot. Yes, yes, that is. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for that plug. And, well, thank you for saving this Monday midday. Um, and uh, we, will do, we will do a proper one. The first, I swear to you, the first 40 minutes was me just testing clarinet mouthpieces ah. that you caught. It, it was excruciating, and I apologize <laughs> to the, the seven listeners who yeah. stuck around for that. Um, it was gear talk. It was gear talk. Yeah. I want to ask you one more thing, James, to close it yes. out. Can I? Yes. Um, you would have no idea about this because they would all just be faces to you. But I remember the first time I met you and heard you play. Do you have any idea what this would have been? Because I know I can tell you right now, if not. Um, it was uh, New Westminster Jazz Clinic. Oh, yeah. It was a Douglas College Summer Jazz Intensive. Douglas, yeah, yeah Douglas you College, were teaching yeah. that. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember what year, but it was like almost it was 10 ish years ago now. Uh, so, Oof. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were just a babe. I was. I, I remember you took us to at the time Federico's on Commercial Drive. And that was where we played with like the, the little big band kind of situation. That's and we, we right. performed our repertoire for the people at Federico's. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was good. That was a good time. I remember we played some <laughs> New Orleans, uh, some New Orleans vibes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was my first impression of you. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and here we are. And here we are. Yeah. Uh, let's do this We're still here. soon. Yeah. And, um, uh, thank you for being here. Will. thanks for taking the time. Um, I do really enjoy your insight and just you have, uh, a, you have a very thoughtful and a different take on things, which is really refreshing. So thank you for that. Um, for anyone listening, watching, thank you very much for watching and, uh, Will's podcast, check it out. It's called rhythm changes and, uh, it's great. So happy practicing to all. Um, I will probably be back next week. I mean, most likely, that's kind of the idea. And uh, so I will see some, some of you then. All right, thanks, Will. All right, peace. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you enjoyed it, become a member for free today at rhythmchanges.ca. Get the free weekly article read by hundreds of fans in the creative music scene here in Vancouver featuring a great artist event or recording every week. You can sign up for that right on our homepage at rhythmchanges.ca. Thanks once again to James Standifer for hosting me on his show, and we will see you next time on the Rhythm Changes podcast. <laughs>